Welcome to Sports History 101, a production of the Saints Sports Network. Hi everyone, welcome into episode number 5 of Sports History 101. I am your host, as always, Ray Delgado. This time around, we'll be talking about the 1976-77 Portland Trailblazers and the fantastic season that they had, really putting the team and Portland on the map in the NBA. So take your seats, everyone. Class is in session. The Portland Trailblazers entered the league in 1970 as one of three expansion teams, along with the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Buffalo Braves. As you would expect with an expansion team, their first season was horrible. They went 29-53 and in the 82-game season of the National Basketball Association. Unfortunately for them, the first six years of their existence was really much of the same, just like their first year. It was really bad, and there was just a lot of apathy around the team in Portland because basketball really wasn't that big a deal for them yet. And it just didn't look very good. In 1974, so four years after they entered the NBA, because of their continued failures, they earned the number one pick in the draft. They won the coin toss and got that number one pick in the draft. John Wooden, some of you might know who he is, uh, his tenure was nothing short of brilliant at UCLA. It's University of California, Los Angeles. And John Wooden is the most famous basketball coach of all time. He coached the UCLA Bruins to 10 NCAA championships, which is just crazy. He developed phenomenal players, including Lou Alcindor, which most of you will know is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That was his name before he changed it. And the all-important player for our story Mr. Bill Walton, a seven-foot-tall, red-headed man with a scraggly red beard nicknamed the Mountain Man. Bill Walton, like Al Cinder, was a fantastic center. In his time at UCLA, he won two NCAA championships. He was a three-time consensus All-American. He also won the Naismith College Player of the Year and the Adolf Rupp Trophy three times each. Those, those both go to the great best country, best player in the country, excuse me. It's also a three-time All-Pac-8. Yes, now it's the Pac-12, but last then it was, back then it was the Pac-8. And he was a two-time AP Player of the Year. So basically he was lauded as the best college basketball player for basically three years in a row. Also while he was there, UCLA went on the greatest win streak in men's basketball history, which is 88 games. They won 88 games. I think this, the record before then was something around 60. They blew that completely out of the water. So with that information, when Portland won the coin toss for the number one pick, normally you'd be, you know, really excited because you have the number one pick. You have the, the your pick of the litter, but this time they were completely over the moon because they were able to draft Bill Walton because he was really viewed as the savior, what would be the savior of the team. 
he lived really an alternative lifestyle. He was kind of a hippie. Well, he was a hippie. He was a really, really big fan of the Grateful Dead. He was a vegetarian and really just spoke out on things he believed in, like political statements and things like that. Things that we see a lot of right now, but was that was not the case back then in the 70s. He really just went against the grain and was a phenomenal basketball player. So he was drafted number one overall by the Trailblazers. And in his rookie year, he played just 35 games because of injury. Injury would be a thing that would crop up quite a bit in his career. But luckily, he was able to stave it off long enough to have some good years, too. In the 75-76 season, so the second season that Walton was on the team, was coached by Lenny Wilkins and did even worse than the year before as Walton still only was able to play 51 games and the team finished with a 37 and 45 record. So really, really lackluster to say the least. The next season is obviously the one that we're going to be talking about, the 76-77 season. And even though the year before they had such a horrible record, many of the key players for that next season were already on the on the team, including Lionel Hollins, who was the team's 1975 first-round draft pick, Larry Steele, and Bob Gross, who were also great players in their own right. Before the 1976-77 season began, there were a lot of key changes that were made that really changed the face of the team. First, this might sound irrelevant to you, but it is relevant, the Buffalo Braves were being basically run out of New York because the other teams in New York, professional teams, really thought there wasn't enough room for them. So the team was likely to be sold and then moved after the 75 season, 75-76 season. And their head coach was Jack Ramsey. He was easily one of the best coaches in the league, if not the best, and had brought the Braves out of the bottom out of the cellar of the league and into the playoffs for his last three years as the head coach. The future of the team was really up in the air, as I mentioned, and Jack Ramsey really didn't want to be a part of that because he, you know, you have to move cities. You have to basically rebuild the team you have to do all kinds of stuff. So he didn't really want to deal with that move. So he asked to be released and he was granted that. So Jack Ramsey was a free agent and, Portland immediately signed him because of his record and, most importantly, his system. Other than the head coach, the biggest acquisition for the Trailblazers was power forward Maurice Lucas. So Lucas was drafted in 1973 by the Carolina Cougars of the American Basketball Association. So that was the competing league for the NBA that later down the road, as I'm sure everybody knows, the ABA and the NBA merged into just the NBA. So Lucas was drafted by the Carolina Cougars of the ABA. And then the next year after that, in 1974, he was drafted by the Chicago Bulls. Lucas decided to play in the ABA and signed a contract with the Spirits of St. Louis 
who had since replaced the Cougars. The Cougars had moved to St. Louis and changed their name. After averaging a double-double in his first two years in the ABA, like I said earlier, the leagues merged in 1976. And the Kentucky Colonels, Lucas is now his team. He had gotten traded from the Spirits to the Colonels, were put were not, I apologize, were not one of the teams that actually made it into the NBA. There were three teams that made it into the NBA, and the Spirits of St. Louis and the Kentucky Colonels were not part of them. So all of those players went into a dispersal draft. In that dispersal draft, Portland had the second pick, and they picked Maurice Lucas. It also is worth noting that Portland also got Moses Malone fifth in that dispersal draft as he also played for the Spirits. They very shortly after traded him away and did different things and whatever, but I thought that was definitely worth noting because Moses Malone is a Hall of Famer and he was a phenomenal player that could have easily contributed to the 76-77 Portland Trailblazers team. But obviously the front office, and Jack Ramsey saw differently. Point guard Dave Twardzik was another guy who chose to play in the ABA over the NBA. Twardzik was actually drafted by the Trailblazers in 1972 out of Old Dominion, where he went to college, but he elected to play for the Virginia Squires in the ABA. When the Squires were not brought into the NBA, the players went into the dispersal draft as well, but only the players who were not drafted by NBA teams. So because the NBA, because the Trailblazers had drafted Twardzik in 1972, they still held his rights So to, to the NBA. So, Twardzik signed with the Blazers and would end up being a huge contributor for the year to come, earning eventually the starting point guard position. The team also got shooting guard Herm Gilliam from the Seattle Supersonics and drafted Johnny Davis, who would play a big role as well. All of these guys were huge parts of the championship team. And along with a couple of the guys that we mentioned before who were already there in Bob Gross, who was drafted in 75, and then Larry Steele, who was, I believe, there for about five or six years before before the 76. Basically, almost since the team started. The team was good, there was no doubt. You put these composite pieces together, they were great on paper. But there was still a lot of cynicism because the Trailblazers had been so bad since the beginning, that it really didn't buoy anyone's spirits to see all these great players because they're like, well, I, I, they're probably going to mess it up somehow. However, the Trailblazers of old would not be the Trailblazers under Jack Ramsey or Dr. Jack, as he was called. Dr. Jack, because he actually held a doctorate, he had gotten an undergraduate degree And then he got a master's and a PhD from Penn, from Pennsylvania. It's Ivy League school. So he was a ridiculously smart guy, and he was called Dr. Jack. 
Dr. Jack employed a system that shared the ball better than basically any other system there was. He encouraged unselfish play and to always pass to the open man, basically somehow making players believe that they could give up their their counting stats for the betterment of the team to succeed. His system really centered around having, well, centered around having a good center. And he had the perfect player in Bill Walton for his system because Bill Walton was a threat to score, but he was a pass-first player, which was important because they could feed the ball down into Bill Walton and the defense would have to kind of crash on him and then he could kick it out for an easy bucket for his his teammates. He wasn't going to try and stuff something where he couldn't get couldn't get a basket. Another facet of Ramsey's system was pressure basketball. They played stifling defense. They really brought a trapping the press defense, really basically the full court press defense to the NBA and ran it with perfection in Portland because they had really, really great scorers, but also guys who understood that defense was important as well. The team, by many accounts, played perfect basketball, and a lot of people characterized it even as beautiful because it was seamless. It was exactly how you wanted to see the game of basketball played. Even with one of the best, if not the best, coach in the league and some great players, as mentioned, no one really expected much from the Portland when the 76 season got underway, which we will get into after a quick break. The season began for the Portland Trailblazers on October 23rd versus the ABA transplant New York Nets. The Blazers showed up to play to open the season, with six players scoring in double digits. Maurice Lucas showed his dominance in his Portland debut, scoring 24 points and reeling in 18 rebounds. The focal point of the team, Bill Walton, continued in his ways, scoring 17 points, collecting 15 rebounds, and also dishing out eight assists. Lionel Hollins, Johnny Davis, and Larry Steele also themselves scored at least 14 points and combined for nine assists. As a team, they turned in 25 assists and 13 steals, while also committing 21 turnovers, which was really just the name of the game for them. They ran a run-and-gun offense, that relied pretty heavily on the fast break. They ran it better than anyone else in the league, but also translated to a good few turnovers. Portland cruised through their first eight games, dropping just one to the Warriors to move to 7-1. and one. Walton, for the whole season, but also through eight games, was a walking double-double. He had 12, 12 or more rebounds in every game and had five 20-plus point performances. Lucas could also always be counted on for at least 10 rebounds and scored 20 or more himself on four occasions. Other guys like Hollins, Twardzik, and Gilliam also played meaningful minutes and contributed double-digit point totals themselves pretty often. 23 games into the season, 
the Trailblazers were still rolling, sporting a 17-6 record, riding a five-game win streak with their most recent win coming over the New York Knicks at 111-94. Not really that relevant, but kind of a side note. In 1970, when the team, when the city of Portland, or not the city of Portland, but owners in Portland were trying to get a franchise for the NBA, they had to convince NBA owners. One of the biggest owners that they had to convince was the New York Knicks owner. And his biggest reason for not wanting Portland in the league was, how could I put Portland Trailblazers on the Madison Square Garden marquee and expect people to come. Well, I just find it ironic that the Knicks weren't even that good then. They're definitely not good now, haven't been for a very long time. And Portland beat them. Again, not really that relevant, but I felt it necessary to bring it up. On January 14th, Portland played the defending NBA champion, Boston Celtics, in the Boston Garden. If you know anything about the Boston Garden, It's a very, it was a very tough place to play. The fans were loud in your face. They were behind their team from the beginning to the very end, unless they were playing terribly and then they booed, which still loud, still in your face. It also helped that Boston was good basically from the 50s all the way through the 80s, starting with Bill Russell and going through Larry Bird. This time, it was a great Boston team led by John Havlicek, and he put on a very good performance. The great Portland squad, though, had a number of players show up for this game, especially. Walton had another great line, 16 points, 17 rebounds, and 9 assists. Lucas himself contributed 16 points, and then Gross, Gilliam, and Davis all scored 14. That's five players in double digits, and surprise, surprise, they only turned the ball over 13 times. Still, the Celtics have three players, including John Havlicek, who scored 19, but it was not enough to overcome this Portland team as the Trailblazers claimed the victory 107-92 to to move to 29-13 and and get their second of three wins in four games versus the Celtics for the season, which was big. That's huge to be able to get three, win three out of four in a season series over the defending national, not national, defending NBA championships. Champions. Good Lord. At the All-Star break, the team was 35-21, and 21, third in the West behind the Los Angeles Lakers, who were 35-19, and 19, and the Denver Nuggets, who were 34-19. and 19. In 56 games, the team averaged about 110 points, 24 assists, almost 11 steals, 6 blocks, which is pretty, pretty significant. And almost 22 turnovers per game. Walton and Lucas were each averaging over 20 points, that is. Walton 
was averaging 15.3 rebounds and 3.4 blocks. And Lucas was also averaging a double-double with almost 12 rebounds per game. However, Walton was not named an all-star, presumably because Dan Issel, the Nuggets center, averaged 23 points and almost 10 rebounds. And then the other center on the on the NBA All-Star squad for the West was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, which he was the superstar back then, so you're not going to push him out. However, Maurice Lucas was named an All-Star. He was an alternate and got a few minutes, but he was the sole representative for the Portland Trailblazers in the All-Star game. After the All-Star break, the team started to lose games. In the next 20 games, they were 8-12 and and dropped to 4th in the West for the first time all season. It looked bleak. It looked like they were going to be the, the trailblazers of old, like we mentioned earlier, that were just going to peter off in the end and end up maybe catching a playoff spot for the very first time in franchise history. They had never made it to the playoffs. But then they ripped off six straight wins. They beat the Buffalo Braves 127 to 101, the Golden State Warriors 109 to 98, the Seattle Supersonics 119 to 104, and they beat the Detroit Pistons, the Phoenix Suns, and then the LA Lakers in the final game of the year, 145 to 116. They beat the number one seed Lakers by 29 points. Lionel Hollins had 27 points, 9 assists, and 3 steals. Larry Steele had 22 points. Walton had a fantastic game of 19 points, 16 rebounds, 7 assists, and 3 blocks. Lucas also chipped in 18 points. In total, there were 7 players that scored 12 or more in this game. And boy, was it a good one. Well, for the Portland side, not for the Lakers side. With that win, they locked down the second spot in their division and the third spot in the West over the surging Golden State Warriors, who were right behind. But the Trailblazers ended up finishing the season with a 49-33 and record. Trailblazers made the playoffs for the very first time in franchise history as the number three seed behind like they were earlier in the season behind the Lakers who were one and the Nuggets who were two. The Lakers and the Nuggets being the number one and the two seed, two seeds got a first round bye week. So they didn't have to play the first week and Portland matched up against the Chicago Bulls. Even though the team had played fantastic, even beautiful basketball all season long, Fans in Portland really didn't show up until the team made it to the playoffs. The three-game series between the Portland Trailblazers and the Chicago Bulls began on April 12, 1977 in, the, in Portland at Veterans Memorial Coliseum to a raucous crowd. Right from the start, it was the Maurice Lucas show. He played well in the ABA in two playoff runs and didn't skip a beat when he had the opportunity with Portland. 
he hit 14 of his 17 shots, scored 29 minutes, 29 points, playing 40 minutes. He also had four blocks, seven rebounds, and four assists. He missed just one time from late in the second quarter through the end of the game. And that was, I think, 12 shots. Twardzik also had 18 points. Walton, in his playoff debut, didn't shine, but put up a respectable 11 points and 9 rebounds. And the Trailblazers won 96-83. Game 2 was three days later in Chicago. And it was a much closer contest than Game 1. This time, Walton led the team with 24 points, 17 rebounds, and 6 blocked shots. It's awesome. Walton was a fantastic defender and was known for his shot blocking ability. Lucas also put up a double-double with 17 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 blocks of his own. Hollins was the other player to score 21 points. And even though they had three players who really had great games, Chicago had an answer. Mickey Johnson of the Bulls scored 29 points and pulled down 15 rebounds. Artis Gilmore scored 27 and 11 rebounds. And Wilbur Holland scored 26 points. So they had three players that scored 82 points. That's pretty tough to beat. Even though that happened, Portland still kept it very close, falling just by just three points, 107 to 104, evening the series up at 1 to 1. The series swung back to Portland for the final winner-go-home game three. Back then, these initial series were just three-game series. Mickey Johnson had another great game for Chicago with 34 points and 14 rebounds. And John Mangelt, I believe that's how you say his name, came off the bench for Chicago and scored 28. But that was not enough this time to beat Portland. All five Trailblazers starters scored 14 or more points. Gross led with 16 points, five assists, and three steals. Lucas had 21 points and eight assists, and Walton had yet another double-double, his second of the series, 17 points, 11 rebounds, and four more blocks. Portland won by an eight-point margin, 106-98, to win its first playoff series in its first playoff appearance and really ignite Blazer Mania. Something we'll break down right after we take a short break. Blazermania was the word used to describe the buzz and fanfare that surrounded that 1977 Portland Trailblazers team and for many years beyond. Portland fans embraced the team as their own, selling out Veterans Memorial Coliseum and creating an atmosphere that was completely unmatched in the playoffs. That was huge for the team's confidence and became an advantage as the playoffs continued and really right up until the 2000s, so for 30 or 40 years, Blazer Mania was alive and well and made Portland a really tough place to play in. 
back to 1977. Next up for Portland was the Denver Nuggets, who had earned the first round bye, as we mentioned earlier. Game one was on April 20th in Denver at McNichols Sports Arena. The Nuggets opened the game with three quick baskets and led 12-4 early on. For the game, center Dan Issel, who presumably took Bill Walton's spot in the All-Star game, scored 28 points. And David Thompson, another one of another Nuggets player, scored 26. The Nuggets were good, but the Trailblazers would not go quietly. Denver scored the first points, first 10 points of the fourth quarter and started to pull away. But Portland kept it close with big performances from the usual suspects. With 11 seconds to play, Maurice Lucas went up and hit a twisting jump shot from close range to put Portland up 101-100 to and secured the win. For the contest, three players hit the double-double mark in the game for the Trailblazers. Lucas... 23 and 13. Walton at 22 and 12. So those are points and rebounds. And Gross, Bob Gross, had 18 points and 12 rebounds. Really great performances, but always squeaking out the one point win. Game two featured a back and forth game in the first half, but Denver really took over in the second. Issel, their center, scored 36 points, and there were three others in double digits. Portland had great games of their own, as certain players did. Lucas had 29 points, and Walton had 19 points, 16 rebounds, and 10 assists for his very first playoff triple-double. All five of their starters were in the double digits, but it still wasn't enough as the Nuggets really coasted to a 121-110 to victory. With the series tied up one game to one, on April 24th, the first game was the first game of the series. Third game of it was in Portland. The one-two punch of Lucas and Walton combined for 53 points. Along with them, Twardzik, Hollins, and Gross all dropped more than 10 points. And that was just enough to overcome 40 points from Denver's David Thompson. With Blazer Mania behind them, Portland took a 2-1 series lead with a 110-106 victory. Game 4 featured even more, as it was all season, unselfish basketball by the Blazers. As this time, Bob Gross scored 25 with 7 rebounds and 6 assists. The Nuggets made it a game midway through the 4th quarter, pulling within a bucket at 88-86, but just couldn't keep up with the run-and-gun style, falling 105-96. to That put the Nuggets at a 3-1 disadvantage but the fifth game was to be played back in Denver and the Nuggets were not ready to be sent home in front of their home crowd. Six players for the Nuggets scored 
10 or more with Issel leading them at 23 points and 18 rebounds. Lionel Holland stepped up to lead Portland late in the fourth quarter, knocking down four shots in the final two and a half minutes to help the team fight back and tie the game at 101 apiece. And overtime, though, the Blazers never had a chance. Hollins continued his hot streak. He drained two more shots, but that would prove to be all of Portland's offense in the overtime period. And Denver scored 13, which gave them the 114 to 105 win and forced a game six. The next day, on May 2nd, the Portland Trailblazers and Denver Nuggets squared off in Portland for game six of their series. The Blazers jumped out to an 11-2 lead in the first quarter, hitting 13-19 of in the quarter to take a 17-point lead. Pretty commanding lead through just one quarter. Johnny Davis and Lionel Hollins combined for 46 points to lead the Trailblazers, with Walton close behind, contributing yet another double-double, 12 points and 12 rebounds, while Lucas also had a double-double of his own with 12 points and 10 rebounds. Denver never really got going, and given the totals that the Trailblazers put up, I don't see how they really could have. They shot really poorly from the start and never truly recovered (laughs) with one of the, the most glaring Statistics being they shot 24 of 47 from the free throw line. They got to the free throw line quite a bit and made just just a hair over 50%, which is terrible. Portland coasted to the easy 16-point victory in front of their home fans and secured their, their ticket, punched their ticket to the Western Conference Finals. Up next in the Western Conference Finals was the number one seed and the Trailblazers rival, the Los Angeles Lakers, led by none other than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who had beat Portland three times in four meetings during the season. The last one we talked about was on the very last day of the season, where Portland blew them out, but the Lakers still, still beat them three separate times, which means quite a bit. Game one of the series was set for May 6th in Los Angeles. Portland was unfazed by the Lakers and playing in L.A. and came out out of the gate racing, setting their signature pace of that run and gun, relying on the fast break. The Blazers never looked back. Four starters scored 20 or more points, with Lucas and Walton both contributing yet another double-double each. Trailblazers jumped out to an 11-point lead through one quarter, and the Los Angeles Lakers did their best with Earl Tatum scoring 32 points and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar scoring 30 and with 10 rebounds, but it didn't matter. The Blazers dominated from start to finish, winning by 12, 121-109. to 109. They didn't have much time to think about it, though, because... Game two was not long after, and it was a lot closer. Great guard play from Hollins with 31 points and Herb Gilliam with 24 points made the difference for Portland. 
Walton and Lucas turned in good games like they always did, but they couldn't do it alone. and really relied pretty heavily on Hollins and Gilliam. On the other side, Kareem stepped up with 40 points and 17 rebounds, and he was backed up by Cassie Russell, who had 21 of his own. The game went down to the final second of the contest, but the Blazers held on to win 99-97 and take an unbelievable 2-0 lead back to Portland. In Veterans Memorial Coliseum, the atmosphere was deafening for the third game. The Lakers played well, and Kareem played fantastic. He scored 21 points, 20 rebounds, so he had a 20-20 and game with 7 assists and 8 blocks. In total, the Lakers had 5 players score 12 or more points. Similar to the to the Trailblazers, they who spread the scoring around themselves. Walton had 22 points and 15 rebounds with almost another triple-double. He had nine assists. Lucas scored over 20 and had another double-double with three others scoring 12 or more points. Game was neck and neck into the fourth quarter, to say the least, with each team playing really great basketball. Then Walton took over. He scored 14 in the fourth quarter to lead the Blazers to a 102-97 victory and come one game from a sweep of the all-powerful Los Angeles Lakers. Completely unthinkable that Kareem could even come close to being swept. The Lakers had no answer for the Trailblazers, as whatever they threw at them, Portland continued to play their game at their tempo. The system that Jack Ramsey had put in place worked and they kept it. That tempo, that system led all starters into the double digits for scoring. Lucas had 26 and 12 rebounds. Walton had 19 and 14 rebounds. The two guys who were the stalwarts on the Lakers side, Kareem scored 30 with 17 rebounds. And he had another talent, another teammate step up and Lucius Allen who scored 20 but as the clock wound down the unthinkable happened the Portland Trailblazers swept the Los Angeles Lakers with the score of 105 to 101 to become Western Conference champions an unbelievable feat just to make it that far mind you this is the team's the franchise's very first time in the playoffs they had they had never made it to the playoffs unfortunately portland was next tasked with taking on the philadelphia 76ers who had won the eastern conference in 7 games over the boston celtics the defending champions despite boston being the defender defending champions the 76ers were the powerhouse team in the league The way it's described now is they were really akin to the 97 Chicago Bulls where no coach wanted to play them and every fan wanted to watch them. They had Julius Irving or Dr. J who came over from the ABA and had success there but really wanted to prove himself in the NBA who's a fantastic player 
who played alongside George McGinnis, Doug Collins, and World Be Free. Yes, that's not his real name. He changed his name, but his, he is known as World Be Free. Among others, who were all great, and needless to say, they were pretty heavily favored. Game one of the NBA Finals was in Philadelphia at the Spectrum. That's their, That was the name of their arena, which I think is interesting. On May 22nd. Everyone was nervous before the tip as Walton and the 76ers center Caldwell Jones jumped too early to start the game. And CBS's Brent Musburger, the announcer, said you can just see the anxiety. Seconds later, Dr. J, or Julius Irving, threw down a booming dunk to set the mood. It was no secret that Portland had a system and played their own game at their own temple within that system. Philadelphia knew that too, and their head coach, Gene Shu, decided to try and mess with that a little bit. As we've mentioned, Portland played a press defense, which means they basically played a full-court defense, whereas now in the NBA you see a half-court defense. That means that the player bringing the ball up the court has a defender on him. Well, what Philadelphia decided to do was have their center, Caldwell Jones, bring the ball up the court, forcing Bill Walton to go out and guard Jones 80 feet from the basket because of their press defense system. That posed an issue for Bill Walton because he was a phenomenal all-around player, but obviously not many centers, if any, have the ability to guard somebody at the other end of the court and bring up the ball. That strategy kept Portland off kilter just enough. Walton still had a great game, scoring 28 points and 20 rebounds for a 2020 game. Lucas, Hollins, and Gilliam all scored 14 or more. However, Dr. J and Doug Collins for the 76ers combined for 63 points themselves. And with a two-point lead at the half, the 76ers stretched it to 86-78, to through three quarters and earned the eventual win at 107 to 101 as the key players in gross Hollins and Lucas all fouled out late for Portland, which really sunk their chances of winning that game. Portland got to chew on their loss for the next four days as game two wasn't played until May 26th, this time again in Philly, which makes it, Really interesting that they would have a four-game layoff. It really brings it back to how unimportant the NBA was back then and basketball was because they were probably pushed for more important things that people wanted to watch more than the NBA at that time. But anyway, they had four, day, four days off, and Portland got to sit on that loss for a lot longer than you want to. And maybe because of that, we'll never know, but... The Trailblazers really never were in the second game. The Sixers came out like a blur and led by 18 at the half. As the game went on, tension started to rise because Portland was playing terribly and the Sixers were were just kicking their butt. With just five minutes to play, the 76ers were up by 20. Phillies Daryl Dawkins wrapped up Bob Gross under the basket and threw him to the ground. Gross didn't take very kindly to that 
and after a few words, Dawkins swung at him, but actually hit one of his Knicks teammates. Dawkins then started to back away and received a forearm to the side of the head from the enforcer, Maurice Lucas. He was known as the enforcer because not only was he a gifted scorer, a gifted defender, he also showed everybody who was boss. And if something needed to be cleaned up, he would clean it up. So Lucas puts a forearm into the side of Dawkins' head, and then Dawkins and Lucas start to fight before they're separated. The Blazers all came to Lucas's defense, but the 76ers didn't come to Dawkins' defense. And Dawkins did not like that. Naturally, if you get in a fight, you want to know that your teammates have your back. But unfortunately for Dawkins, the Sixers didn't. Even with that little scuffle down five, five minutes to go, the Blakers, Blazers still eventually lost by 18 and were down 2-0 to zero in the finals and looking up at a potential finals victory. However, Blazer Mania had not lost any hope. And along with the scuffle from Game 2, they really buoyed the players as well when they got back to Portland. An amazing show of gamesmanship occurred before Game 3 and could have had a pretty substantial part in turning the series in the favor of the Trailblazers. Nowadays, players shake hands and hug before games, but in 1977... That was completely out of the question. You were enemies. Well, after introductions, Lucas went over to the 76ers bench and shook hands with the opposition, showing that Portland was not beaten and basically standing up to the Sixers like, hey, we're still here and you can throw anything at us and we're coming right back. And that really turned the series in a lot of people's eyes, like I mentioned. Reinvigorated, Portland was shot out of a gun for Game 3. They ran their fast-break offense to perfection in the opening minutes and scored 24 points in just 8 minutes. They never looked back as Walton scored 20 with 18 rebounds and 9 assists and Lucas put up 27 and 12. Along with them, Davis Gross, Hollins, and Lloyd Neal, all five of the starters, ended up in double figures. Dr. J still put up a double-double with 28 points, 11 rebounds, but couldn't lift Philadelphia by himself over this red-hot Blazers offense that coasted to a 129-107 victory. The next game was also in Portland, and it was nothing short of a complete breakdown for the 76ers. Walton only scored 12, but pulled down 13 rebounds and blocked four shots. Hollins picked up the slack on his behalf, scoring 25, and along with Lucas, who scored 24. The only good performance for Philadelphia was by Dr. J., who scored 24, but that was far from enough. The Blazers jumped out to an early 17-4 lead and set the tempo throughout, completely humiliating Philadelphia 
in a 130 to 98 defeat to even the series at two to two. The home court advantage for Portland definitely helped, but the team could still get it done on the road. Game five was to be played on June 3rd back in Philadelphia. And the 76ers were the best team in the league with the most star power, so they weren't just going to lay down and die. Dr. J put on a clinic, scored 37 points. Doug Collins scored 23, and they had two others in double figures. However, Portland had an answer for everything. Gross had 25. Lucas had 20 points and 13 rebounds. Walton had 14 points and 24 rebounds, which is crazy. And then Twardzik, Davis, and Hollins all scored 11 or more, basically sharing the basketball. They had six players score at least 11 points and just kept bouncing the ball around with passes and finding the open man, and the shots kept falling. Philly managed to keep it close, but towards the end, the outcome was inevitable. And with 76ers fans booing their own team, the Trailblazers won their third consecutive game to take a 3-2 lead in the NBA Finals. The sixth game of the series sent the teams once again back to Portland and Blazer Mania on June 5th with the Blazers just one game away from being world champions. After one quarter, the game was electric, with a standing room only crowd and both teams playing exceptional basketball. CBS announcer Brent Musburger was quoted saying, we've got one cook in here where both teams are playing well. It can't get any better than what we've seen so far. Walton locked down on defense, still scoring 20, but grabbed 23 rebounds and swatted eight blocks. Gross scored 24, and Hollins scored 20, playing over 40 minutes. Lucas was right behind with a double-double, scoring 15 points and 10 rebounds. On the other side, for the 76ers, Dr. J once again put on a show and scored 40 points with eight assists, which I think is, is pretty significant given his scoring margin. His partner, George McGinnis, scored 28 points with 16 rebounds, another great performance. And still, the Trailblazers led by 12 in the third quarter with how well the Sixers were playing. With five seconds left to play in the game, Portland up by two, Philadelphia was to inbound the ball. They inbound it to a wide open, completely wide open George McGinnis, who'd been having a fantastic game, who goes up and takes a a completely uncontested shot that hits the front of the rim. Johnny Davis the rookie manages to fight off Dr. J for the rebound and then races back to center court as the clock runs out. It's over! It's over! yelled Musburger as the team mobbed each other and the fans spill out of the stands to mob the team in celebration. 109-107 to 107 was the margin of victory for the Portland Trailblazers 
to win their very first NBA championship. Bill Walton was named the finals MVP with 18 and a half points, 19 rebounds, 5.2 assists, and almost four blocks per game. Maurice Lucas played exceptionally in the finals, averaging a double-double himself, almost 20 points with almost 11 rebounds and three and a half assists. Bob Gross himself averaged over 17 points, almost six rebounds, and basically four assists. And Lionel Hollins rounded out the double-digit averages with 16 points, four assists, and one and a half steals. All around the epitome of unselfish basketball. The underdogs had won and shocked the world by overcoming an 0-2 deficit and winning four consecutive games over the all-star lineup of the Philadelphia 76ers. Many people still think that that Portland team played the purest basketball that you will ever see. And if it weren't for injuries, who knows what could have happened, what kind of dynasty they could have put together. That's all we've got for episode number five. If you can find video of that Portland team of that 76-77 season and the next season with the Bill Walton-led, just symbiotic, fantastic offense, I would highly encourage that you do. You will enjoy watching exactly how basketball is supposed to be played. Until next time, everybody. Stay safe and remember that Jesus loves you. Thanks for listening. Check out more content from the Saints Sports Network at saintsportsnetwork.home.blog.